This special episode of Downtown Sports is being brought to you ad-free by Digital Market Battles, the marketing agency that helps your business fill their pipeline with high-valued leads. They will meet your conversion goal no matter what. Just head on over to digitalmarketbattles.com or call 1-800-811-4095 to schedule a discovery call today. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. This is my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a big time guest coming for you right now. Peace, take it away. We are pleased to welcome a very special guest. As the Olympics have just wrapped up, the NHL offseason is in full swing, NBA is in full swing, NFL football is right around the corner. So we had to bring in somebody that not only knows these sports, he calls them. And we're pleased to welcome him back after a long time, the man for all North American sports, the radio voice for the New York Rangers, the voice for NFL football on Fox, for NHL hockey on NBC Sports Network, and just fresh off his coverage of the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games, the great Kenny Albert joins us on Downtown Sports. Kenny, it's been a long while. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us again. How you doing? Thanks, Jonathan. I'm doing well. Hope you are too. And I appreciate the introduction. Great to be with you again. Always. Let's dive right in, Kenny, to the Tokyo Games. And it was a very interesting year for Olympics. No fans were allowed. There was a lot of outcry of having the Games at all. The COVID-19 pandemic has been surging with the Delta variant. I wanted to get your thoughts and really kind of share with me what was the experience like calling an Olympic games under the circumstances that were, which also included most broadcasters being in remote locations and not in Tokyo calling the actual games. Right. So I was in Stanford, Connecticut. Um, I've worked six other Olympics on site, uh, five winter Olympics and the summer games in Rio in 2016. Um, I was in Stanford uh, but my body was on Tokyo time because all of the events obviously took place during the daytime hours or early evening in Tokyo. So uh, for two straight weeks, uh, I was up in Stanford, basically working overnights and sleeping during the day. Uh, so it was a bit different. It was a lot of fun uh, calling beach volleyball and indoor volleyball and a couple of baseball games off television monitors which a lot of us have gotten used to over the past uh, 14 months or so. I've called numerous hockey and basketball games uh, since August of last year off monitors. So uh, my Olympic experience this year, as well as a number of other broadcasters and production folks, uh, actually was in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, I thought it went very well. I had a terrific partner on both volleyball, Amy Gant, and Jessica Mendoza on the baseball games. Amy was in a booth right next to me about six to eight feet away. Uh, Jess Mendoza was in Tokyo. Some of the broadcasters were actually on site. So uh, the U.S.-Israel baseball game and the U.S.-South Korea baseball game, I called both. Um, I was in a booth in Stanford and Jess Mendoza was 6,500 miles away in Tokyo. So that was a bit different, but overall it was a fun experience. Always enjoy calling the Olympics. Uh, this one, like I said, was a bit different, uh, given that I was in Stanford, Connecticut, but it was a lot of fun. 
going into what you were calling now, you said you called beach volleyball and indoor volleyball. I was actually going to ask you about how was it calling beach volleyball or what are the intricacies of it? But then you said indoor volleyball, too. How long have you been calling volleyball? Uh, for about the last three weeks, actually. Okay. Uh, that was your first. Wow. That was the first. I, I, I had worked one volleyball match in 1993 when I was working down in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I always loved the challenge of new sports, the variety. And when I was assigned uh, to volleyball, both beach and indoor, um, it was time to get to work and study and, and watch a lot of prior telecasts from Rio from 2016 on NBC. Um, I actually set up a meeting, believe it or not, with our local high school volleyball coach, uh, Beth Powell, who did a tremendous job in uh, helping me along with the lingo and the rules and, and some of the other intricacies that I needed to learn. Uh, Amy Gant, my analyst, was outstanding. She was a five-time All-American at Brigham Young and played on the U.S. national team. So, uh, And I'm not ashamed to admit I purchased the book Coaching Volleyball for Dummies. So uh, <laughs> reading that book throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, but it was fun. Um, I really enjoyed learning about a new sport. Uh, the beach volleyball, it, it goes quick. The matches are about 45 minutes. It's two sets out of three. They played at 21 points and there were only two players on each side. So the points don't go very long. Um, indoors, a, a totally different game, although the rules are similar. There are six players on each side. Um, they make substitutions. There are 12 on the roster, six on the court at one time. Uh, but the points go, the rallies go longer uh, because there are six players and it's also best three out of five and it goes to 25. So we had a couple of uh, indoor volleyball matches that went two, two and a half hours. And we're in there at three in the morning, four in the morning calling these matches because they're taking place during the day in Tokyo. So uh, it was challenging, but it was a lot of fun. I worked track and field in Rio, which was also a new sport for me. So um, I really enjoyed the challenge and, and had a lot of fun doing volleyball. And if I ever had the opportunity to, to do it again, would certainly uh, welcome it with open arms. We're talking with Kenny Albert. He is the voice of everything. But I wanted to ask you one question about volleyball. What is the weirdest rule that you think nobody understands that, like, you know, if you're a layperson watching volleyball, what is the one rule in volleyball that you've discovered that nobody would be able to understand unless they were told it? Right. Well, you know, there, there are a couple that as a broadcaster working from a remote location, you know, I don't know if they were necessarily weird rules, but they were a bit challenging as far as uh, seeing it on a monitor, as opposed to if you were there, um, you know, if the ball just grazes off the fingers of a player, um, and goes out of bounds, you know, it's obviously a point for the, uh, for the team on the other side and watching on a small monitor, you couldn't always see that. So you had to wait for the referee signal one way or the other. Um, you know, there's also, you have three opportunities, obviously to get the ball back over the net, but the initial block doesn't count. So in that case, you have an extra opportunity in the indoor game to send it back over um you know the antennas on each side of the net if the ball clips off the antenna uh the point comes to an end probably the weirdest actually john the, the weirdest rule is the fact that they can challenge mid-play you know we've seen challenges in other sports reviews in hockey football basketball baseball but you have to wait until after the play is over in volleyball 
in particular in beach, it, it comes into play more often, but each team has two challenges per set. And if you win the challenge, you don't lose it. it keeps on going. If you lose two in one set, that's it. You don't have any more in that set. But in the middle of a play, like if there's a net violation, if somebody touches the net with a, with a piece of their body, um, you can actually make the signal, the challenge signal, look up at the referee in the middle of the play. So that, that's probably the weirdest rule. Very interesting. Let's transition over to the NHL. This is a very uh, interesting thing with the Rangers. They had a pretty decent season, didn't make the playoffs, but they made a lot of changes. David Quinn is let go. Gerard Gallant is brought in to be the new head coach. We saw some great improvements from the Rangers' new young trio of Lafreniere, Kako, and Kratzov. We saw some great improvements from those three. And so now we're going to see also some new defensemen the Rangers have brought in, Barkley Goodrow being one of them. What are your expectations going into this coming season for the Rangers? You think they will make a, a run in the Eastern Conference this year, 82 games? You know, I'm, I'm real positive about the Rangers moving forward. I think they've done a tremendous job over the last three, three and a half years uh, during what they refer to as the, the build, not a rebuild, a build. And they acquired so many assets, as you guys know, draft picks, young players, um, the guys you mentioned uh, winning the lottery uh, last year and selecting Lafreniere, getting the number two pick the year before with Kako. Kravtsov was a first round pick. Uh, and then you look at the young goaltender in Shesterkin who just signed a new four-year contract. Adam Fox, who was a steal in a trade from Carolina two years ago, who goes on to win the Norris Trophy. Wow. His second season on a team that did not make the playoffs. Just incredible. Um, Ryan Lindgren, who they stole in the Rick Nash trade from the Boston Bruins, Fox's defense partner, uh, right on down the line. So uh, I have high hopes moving forward. Um, big fan of Chris Drury. I think he'll do a terrific job. He's been in the organization. And then some of the other young defensemen who you mentioned, um, you know, collectively as a group, Nils Lundqvist coming over from Sweden, uh, Matthew Robertson, Zach Jones, uh, guys they've either drafted or signed over the last two or three years. Um, and then the acquisitions of Barkley Goodrow and Ryan Reeves and some of the others over the last two or three years, Kevin Rooney, who was a member of the team last year, is a good fourth line center penalty killer. Uh, Sammy Blake. So they, they brought in three guys either who have won Stanley Cups or have played in the Stanley Cup final. Ryan Reeves played in the final with Vegas back in 2018. Sammy Blake won a cup with St. Louis in 2019. Barkley Goodrow won the cup the last two years, and he was a heart and soul guy with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they brought in guys with a championship pedigree, with a lot of postseason experience, and mixed in with the veterans, the, the Mika Zibanejads, the Chris Criders, and some of the youngsters, uh, Kako, Lafreniere, who you mentioned, uh, Kravtsov, who I thought played well in his 20 or so game stint last year. And then all of the guys we talked about on defense, uh, Fox and Lindgren, and you look at a Jacob Truva and a Keandre Miller, who had a terrific rookie season. Um, I think Ranger fans have a lot to be excited about. Talking with Kenny Albert. Well, for th for this particular question, he is the voice of the NFL on Fox. So um, when it comes to the NFL season, you know, we're local. So Giants, Jets, we're taking a look at them. What do you think is the biggest issue that the Giants would have to face this season? Because you get Daniel Jones back for his third year. You finally got him some weapons. And then you're looking at that offensive line and you're wondering, are they going to be able to protect them? 
I think the continued development of Daniel Jones, uh, that's a key in year three. Uh, we'll see what happens with the offensive line and, and some of the question marks and how they do moving forward. Um, the return of Saquon Barkley from his injury. I think they've done some nice things on the defensive side. Patrick Graham uh, had a, a great first year as defensive coordinator. You know, a lot of people think he's a future head coaching candidate in the NFL in the future. So uh, I'm looking forward to, I, I have the Giants on my schedule twice in the first four weeks, uh, week three against the Atlanta Falcons, and then week four in New Orleans against the Saints. So uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, didn't see the entire preseason game against the Jets the other night, but uh, we'll catch up and, and take a look at the whole thing either later today or tomorrow. But um, uh, similar to the Rangers, I, I like the direction the Giants are headed. As far as the Jets with a rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson, um, I love Robert Sala. I've done many games, uh, whether uh, in Seattle when he was on the coaching staff with Pete Carroll, defensive coordinator in San Francisco, uh, always thought he would be a head coaching candidate and uh, really liked the Jets' choice of, of Robert Sala as their new head coach. Absolutely. Another team I would like to jump up to that's also on the, on the up and in is the New York Knicks. We saw a lot of improvement with the Knicks this past year, getting to the playoffs. Yes, they came up a little short against Atlanta, but you really like the young talent that coach Tom Thibodeau has. And the Knicks brought in a couple new pieces, Kemba Walker, you're bringing in Evan Fournier to help further develop the young kids, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall coming back. The Knicks also got a couple of new draft picks. What are your thoughts on the Knicks going into this coming season? And are they going to go maybe even a little deeper than they did last year? Instead of just shocking the world, maybe they can even make a deep playoff run this coming year. Well, huge improvements, as you alluded to last season. I'm not sure anybody expected uh, 41 wins in a shortened season. I sure didn't. Tom, Tom Thibodeau, uh, obviously, uh, certainly uh, the most deserving of the uh, Coach of the Year award, which he won. You know, he and his entire staff just brought the work ethic, the grittiness, the passion. You know, you hear players talk about Thibodeau. And, you know, I think I read quotes from Julius Randle. He said, you know, if he got to the team facility at six in the morning or stayed until 11 o'clock at night, uh, Thibodeau and the coaching staff were there the entire time. And um, it was a lot of fun to call the games, uh, whether in an empty Madison Square Garden early in the season with some fans later in the season, uh, the away games out of a studio with Walt Clyde Frazier, which was certainly unique uh, this past year. But Julius Randle obviously had a terrific year, uh, most improved player in the NBA. Uh, when you look at some of the the pieces that were around him who also had really good years and then bringing in Evan Fournier and Kevin Wa uh, Kemba Walker a native New Yorker and uh, drafting Quentin Grimes and uh, a couple of the other draft picks who the Knicks have high expectations for. So uh, a lot of excitement, the fans hopefully will be back in the building. We saw uh, close to a, a capacity in the playoff series against Atlanta. Uh, unfortunately they fell short, but, uh, a lot of good things happening on the Knicks side as well. It was so much fun to watch this past year. Talking with Kenny Albert, I want to bring up, you know, when you brought up Walt Clyde Frazier, that really is a good lead into our next and final question. Um, your father, Marv Albert, retiring this year, longtime broadcast partner of Walt Clyde Frazier, been the voice of the Knicks for very many years, the voice of the NBA on NBC for a long time. Of all of the things your father has done as a broadcaster, maybe this is not as a father, but as a broadcaster, what affected you the most? What made you say, you know what? I want to follow my dad and do this. 
the thing, John, that I uh, think back to that, that sticks out in my mind was uh, the preparation, watching and learning how he prepared for each and every broadcast. When I was a youngster, either at home or on the road in a hotel room, he was always preparing for that next broadcast. And back then it was a lot different. There, the internet didn't exist. Uh, there was so much less technology. So a lot of it was uh, just reading daily newspapers and weekly publications and information that was sent via uh, the regular US mail from the teams, from the leagues. You know, these days you have everything at the snap of a finger and you could watch uh, the every team's previous game or games. So uh, back then the preparation was a lot different, but that was the number one thing I learned. Um, I sat in the broadcast booth hundreds of times, either next to him or behind him. I kept statistics for him at basketball and hockey and football games, and I learned by osmosis. But really the biggest thing was the preparation. And, and that's what I tell young broadcasters. You can never be too prepared. Uh, you might only use five or 10% of your information that you've compiled leading into a broadcast, but you can never uh, have enough. So uh, that, that would be the number one thing. Uh, you mentioned his retirement. I never thought he would utter the word retire or actually uh, go ahead with it and retire, but um, he turned 80 this past June, seems really happy with his decision, content, and uh, you know had a great uh, conclusion with the NBA Eastern Conference Final. You know, they also did a lot of the games out of a studio this year, and th th that wasn't the same for any of us, but I know he was so thrilled to be able to get back uh, to the actual arenas, first for the NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta, and then traveling during the NBA postseason. I'll finish up with this one. What is, for you, the greatest call your father did? Like the greatest, if you can remember the greatest call, the biggest game that your dad called, which one would it be? Well, early in his career, you know, the one that I heard about all the time, uh, the Willis Reed game and the Knicks winning the championship on May 8th, 1970. Um, he was about to turn 29 at the time. Uh, his birthday's in June, but that early in his career was definitely the biggest and one that still gets talked about frequently. Uh, but then I think about the, the Michael Jordan years, the NBA and NBC in the nineties with the bulls winning all those championships, the dream team in Barcelona in 92. Um, also so many hockey and football and boxing calls as well. But the ones that I would put at the top of the list were the Knicks championship for the first time in 70. And then uh, the NBA on NBC era back in the nineties during the Michael Jordan, Chicago bulls glory years. Tremendous. Tremendous. Kenny Albert. He is the voice of just about every single sport you could imagine. Now the voice of beach and indoor volleyball <laughs> for the Olympics. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for all the information. Thank you for giving so much love to the show over the year and a half that we've been on. Well, John and John, really appreciate it. Uh, great questions. Uh, always enjoy it and look forward to the next time. Always, sure. Always are. All right, Kenny, thank you so much. And best of luck for the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons coming up. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. You got it. Ladies and gents, that was Kenny Albert. Um, and that's going to wrap up this digital market battles special quick little interview with, you know, 
Not a big deal. Quick little interview with uh, one of the, the very best broadcasters the in the world. Best in the business. My... He bested. Well, is it? Is he the best or is I in the best? I'm not they're, sure. They're both right up there. They're, they're both the best that we know. They're like one and one A as for who is the best. But we're going to have to wrap up the show and let me tell you guys who is the best. It is Girl Friday, our producer, Crystal Large, our statistician, Tony Mainville, our researcher. Thank you all for helping us prep for this interview. Beast, where can they hear us? You can listen to Downtown Sports on 14 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podday, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, and Verbal. We are on with rants, episodes, and digital market battle specials like this one every Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports. We are where sports come home. Ladies and gents, though, you were thinking, well, wait, it's a DMB. It's Tuesday. Are they not going to release their regular show? Heavens, no. Of course we're going to release our regular show. Our regular show is going to have an MLB top 10. An MLB four-piece combo. You know, interviewing the best broadcasters in the world is very hungry work. We need a nice four-piece combo. And then, and then, ooh boy, we got some NFL to talk. So you want to tune in for our regular show, but for the Beast in the East, Jonathan Pariente. This is the Mouth of the South, John Shavoni saying, we're out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.